Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, Benny Greb. And as I record this, we are in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, Benny Greb taking drumming to a whole new level. Super interesting conversation from the man himself. It's all coming up. It's going to be a good one. Before we get to the interview with Benny, I am joined by my friend, bass player extraordinaire, the runner, the owner of Tanya's Gold Blend. Of all sorts, she's very, very busy out here in Los Angeles, and she's with me just now. Tanya, how's it going? Hello, hello, everyone on Podcast Land. Podcast Land, you have not been on in a while. I'm trying to think. The last one that you were on, I think, was Chris Jericho. Was it? Wow. Which That's we did while. over the phone. We did. Um, we skyped that one, I think. Did we? I can't remember. It's been a while since you've been. So you've been super busy doing all sorts of sessions. It's madness out here in Los Angeles. I've been here for a few days, and you've been running about recording. You've been doing all sorts, the jam nights, the videos online that everybody's been looking at. Tell us about the, the jam a couple of weeks ago that you did. Oh, there's so many different jams and sessions. Um, yeah, I mean, I do a couple of regular jams in Hollywood, but just been in studio a lot with a bunch of different random sessions from pop and funk and rock and got to keep grinding, you know? Music as a living is an interesting choice. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all flaming mental choosing yep. us as a living, but it's, it's all good. So Benny Greb, you and I spoke about him a while ago, and I think it was you that initially said that I should get him on the podcast. Um, like I said at the intro, he's taking drumming to a whole new level. What's, what's your thoughts on him in general? Yeah, he is an amazing clinician. Very like uh, Thomas Lang, Vinnie Kaliuta, Jojo Mayer, just a whole other level with his language of drumming skills. Very, very nicely put. Of course, the language of drumming, the DVD set, which is available. 2009 was the first one. Of course, online, uh, Benny's really, really made a name for himself. And we talk about that in the interview as well. Super interesting. It makes me feel so embarrassed considering that English is my first language and this guy is a lot more articulate than me and presents hmm. his ideas and philosophies in a fashion that's just second to none. Um, Ali Richardson from a band called Bleed From Within um, turned me on his DVD a couple of years ago. And since then, it's just been mind boggling so super excited the fact that we got to chat to Benny on this podcast and for all you drummers you're going to love it to bits for all you musicians as well um it, it all crosses over believe me it's super interesting it's all coming up now the man the myth Benny Greb okay Benny a whole host of things to talk about obviously so much to, to, to cover given drums something that we both love so tell us about the first time that you discovered drumming and from a, from what I understand it's from a very early age um, yeah, I, I started drums uh, um, when I was, I think I, I had a first drum set when I was six years old, which was not a very good quality drum set, but it was um, it was something to, to hit. And I love that. And I actually can't remember why or how it happened exactly, but I just always loved it. I found it very interesting when I saw bands playing or, or something in, in, on the TV. I 
always looked uh, to the drummer a lot. I, I, I loved it. And although I had other lessons before trumpet and piano lessons, um, it felt like the drums were always kind of my thing. Maybe because I had didn't have lessons in the beginning. Maybe um, because no one told me what is right or wrong. I, I could just, it was my thing, basically. No one uh, had a say in that. Um, and, and I think it made for a... Um, good relationship between me and the instrument because it was my way of expressing myself and, and a very un, yeah, unregimented and unstructured way in the beginning, which I think was good. And so I didn't have lessons for the first couple of years, like six years or seven years. And uh, only later when I was 12 or something, I, I had lessons. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember how it came about. I just always thought it was cool and still do. <laughs> So, who are you listening to early doors then? What drummers are you watching on the TV and trying to emulate early on? Oh, well, I'm, I mean, I was born in the 80s and and uh, definitely like a lot of the 80s and, and 90s stuff when I was a teen like influenced me a lot. Just stuff that I've seen on the television, like guys like Phil Collins and Sting and, and of course the Beatles and, and like music my parents listened to and my brother listened to. My brother although he's German, as I am, had a great collection of, of, of uh, CDs and records. Uh, he listened to a lot of 70s funk stuff and uh, uh, James Brown, Tower of Power. And, and uh, so I just soaked all of that in. And so I love David Garibaldi from Tower of Power. I loved Steve Gadd. Um, I still do. Um, I loved uh, Stuart Copeland. Uh, I had a Stuart Copeland obsession for many years. And uh, there were still traces of that, definitely. And um, almost too many to mention, but these were the like the typical guys. I later got into uh, more than jazz and fusion stuff. So Dave Weckl, Dennis Chambers, um, Vinnie Colaiuta, all all those like heavy players. Because back then I really had the sensation of I saw those guys play, and I, my mind was always like blown. And and I like honestly, I always could say like, or, or many often could say like, I've never seen anything like that before. And then I saw something else. and I was like, wow, I never seen anything like that before. So I was, I was constantly like, just amazed, like what is possible on this instrument and how relaxed people look, although they play things that I don't understand. And, and it just uh, fascinated me. So can you remember um, the, the first time you seen Buddy Rich play? Can you remember that moment at all? Yeah, I, it was a black and white um, like film recording uh, that they showed at a at a at a um, kind of memorial concert, and it was amazing because there were great drummers playing there, and they showed a clip of him, and and uh, he was still, you could feel that he was still kind of the star of the show. Uh, everyone like really admired him, and back then that almost made a bigger impression on me than actually seeing him because I just sensed like. Ah, so they, they all think like this is <laughs> this is the cool stuff. So maybe there's something to it, and and uh, I, I I was I was amazed, of course, by by the by the obvious things that you get amazed by when you're young, like speed and and power and, and loudness. And but but I later got to value him for his insane time and timekeeping abilities, and how he was able to drive the band, and how he played those tunes and. And actually, uh, from that time period, I, I got a lot into Gene Krupa because I think he's a very tasty player as well that almost nowadays 
stands a lot in the shadow of, of Buddy Rich, but I love his playing a lot. I think he's he's very tasteful and like guys like Louis Belson and uh, Philly Joe Jones. I mean, a lot of those guys are, are great. Yeah, it was, it was great that you mentioned Gene Krupa there because I think he was really one of the first kind of performing drummers. I think when you look at a, someone like Keith Moon, it's so obvious that, that Gene Krupa's had that influence on in him as well. Definitely. And, and Keith said it repeatedly uh, that, that he's a huge fan and, and uh, like many drummers do. And he's, uh, yeah, and he was the first superstar drummer like he played in big hollywood movies and he hung out with all the celebrities and politicians from back then he was like he was the real deal like in the hollywood world of of back then uh you know and he had nice hair and and, and everything so i think he he really made uh and he put the drum set in into the forefront because many uh, a lot of the times before um the band leaders were saxophonists trombonists like with the glenn miller or tommy dorsey or um, uh, but, but, and in every solo, then you have a trumpet solo or a, a trombone solo because they are the band leaders and they take a solo. And, and when then Gene Krupa uh, did his own band, um, then in every song was a drum solo. <laughs> and, that was, and I think also Gene Krupa was the first guy who ever recorded a bass drum, I think, that right? uh, which is, yeah, which is pretty, pretty amazing because he was the only guy or the first guy that, um, spent all the money to, uh, because when back then you you recorded a bass drum, it was too much impact for for the needle to actually record it. So they destroyed a lot of master records, so to speak. And after then, they didn't care about that much anymore. That's why very old school jazz always sounds like without a bass drum. You only hear the ride cymbal and, and the band. But I think he was the first one who insisted on how many master like things we destroy. Um, uh, we have to get this right, and he—I uh, think he's the first one who really recorded in a jazz setting a bass drum. So that's very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Every, every day is a school day, as they said. Um, <laughs> now, um, I want to ask you about one more drummer before we move on to talk about your playing. Um, I, I don't know if you managed to catch the the, the Ginger Baker documentary slash film that was about a year ago. What were your thoughts on what were your thoughts on that film, and of course, Ginger Baker himself? Um. I have to admit that um, I never got into Cream that much. Um, I um, uh, it is it is something that I can I, I don't have a story where I said like, hey, when I was young, I saw Ginger Baker and I just freaked out. I know that it was a lot the case with older drummers and like uh, teachers of mine. Uh, they said that I should check him out and and and. But from a today standpoint, when I look uh, look back at it, um, you could really see like the jazz influence that he still has, and already he's like this in between mutation of drum history, where he has the jazz influence and also a lot of like um, more of the African kind of stuff, and then has the backbeat and the power and the, and the sound of of the rock and roll that was going on. So he is an important part of, of history. But yeah, I have to admit that I. Uh, I was never like a big Ginger Baker fan, but of course he's he's um, he's a great drummer and he's very uh, important to to. I mean, the, all these guys are even when people don't know it, we wouldn't be able to play like we play if those guys, you know, didn't didn't do what they what they did because um, because I get influenced by drummers that came before me, and maybe I 
didn't go that deep into Ginger Baker. But if I get influenced by the people that came before me, they got influenced by yeah. Ginger Baker a lot, and they got influenced by John Bonham, and they got and all that. So so you can't even help it. So when a young drummer today says like, ah, oh, don't get influenced by that stuff, it's, that's not really how it works. It's it's uh, you can't. Uh, I think we always stand on on those shoulders of those giants in a sense. So I I never want to underestimate those guys. Absolutely. Um, I, to be honest with you, my favourite Ginger Baker stuff was was from a lot of the stuff that he did in the 90s uh, with like, likes of Bill Frizzell and everything. There's some brilliant YouTube clips. I'll send you a couple of links because he's, yeah. he's drumming and he's soloing. At that point, I think, was his, is his best work. As, as great as Cream were, but from a drumming standpoint, I thought his, his stuff was then. So you can look forward to a couple of links. I'll, I'll send you, Benny, without doubt. Yes. So let's talk about yourself then. Um, and I want to ask you about the, the, the language of drumming DVD. The DVD yeah. itself, the whole concept behind us, behind the DVD. Tell us about it just now. Uh, the language of drumming uh, was my first like uh, real educational work. Um, uh, and the, the first of two, um, I just brought out the Art and Science of Groove DVD. But the language of drumming was... Um, I was playing clinics, I was teaching, I was playing in bands, and um, and before that I always was very um, keen on uh, effective practicing because I never felt that I uh, was like super talented and, and uh, um, super fast with everything, so I, I thought I'd better get the most out of my practice time. and and. Uh, and I want to understand how things work and know where my weaknesses are. And I mean, it's not so hard to know where your weaknesses are. <laughs> you generally get reminded uh, of that uh, at every gig. But I wanted to uh, change something about that. So I was, I really did quite intensely write uh, practicing journals and write down exercises for myself and analyze recordings of myself and try to find exercises to deal with the problems I, um, yeah, that I was dealing with, and um, then I had a lot of material out in, uh, in in my things, and then Hudson Music came up and were like, "Hey, uh, which is this uh, educational label?" Uh, um, and they said, "Do you have? We see you. We see you more and more now, and playing around the world. And don't you have anything for an educational thing?" And, and I sh and I showed them my book, and I said. I think I have something, yeah. <laughs> and so um, it is basically a system that um, that is very derived from the Indian uh, um, rhythm system, which is very systematical and very structured. But um, I found out that when I teach it and uh, how I used it as well, I uh, you need to westernize it a little bit because because the it is taught in these um, in these syllables and phrases that are almost like a hump before you get to the nice stuff or before you get to the uh, stuff that that is more approachable for us Western players and and I always thought like oh God if 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 I could remove this hump there and could get, could get to the good stuff uh, right away and, and explain it in a way, uh, it would really help a lot of people and it helped me. So, um, and the thing is that there are building blocks and there are not that many of them, 24 actually, that are the DNA of all, everything that happens rhythmically basically. And um, I always feared that it would be more 
But uh, so that was the first good message. It's it's not that much stuff that you have to like not that many puzzle pieces, almost like letters of the alphabet that you need where every one every word is is made up of. And um, if you learn those, if you uh, fool around with combinations, if you get them uh, fluently, uh, you have a lot of repertoire and you can work on a lot of things that um, maybe there were holes in your repertoire and you think like you're stuck. If you go through that system, it's, it's very easy. And it transcends all the fields that I always thought were separate before. So when you look into a coordination thing or, or different styles or rudimental, te rudimental technique or um, uh, whatever there is, there are always these building blocks. So it, it always offers very elegant organization of every field that you basically do. And then you can just say, okay, I want to apply this in a coordination way or I want to uh, practice this as a snare uh, hand technique workout or I want to, but, but it's always then the same thing and you can have an overview and you can be sure that um, nothing gets lost basically. Very, very insightful. Very interesting indeed. Now I want to talk to talk to you about a, a guy that you remind me of, um, someone who else, someone who's also taken drumming onto a, a new level, uh, Mister Thomas Lang. Now, yeah. what has it been like working with Thomas in the last few years? Well, um, we're friends. I met him a couple of times, or we we meet because um, we play drum festivals. We've been a lot on uh, the same drum festivals and lineups, and we hung out a lot and um the thing is we i think we both are part of uh, like a new generation of of drummers and also like a new way of doing things in the in the educational industry but i think uh, in terms of what we teach and how we play we are quite different and we joke about that often <laughs> when we see each other so but um I love what he does. He's he's a great guy, and um, he's I admire him alone for his just um, you know if if Thomas does something, he does it a hundred percent, and uh, and I admire that no matter in what profession that is even done. So uh, and let alone his great drumming. So um, he's a cool guy. I know him, and uh, and uh, uh, I'm happy to know him. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys perform in more clinics together in the future because it's, it's super entertaining what you guys do. Now, as far as collaborations go, would, is there any other musician that you've not had the chance to work with yet that you'd, that you'd like to work with in the future, be it recording live, um, anything? Um, the thing is, like in Germany, I was known for many years like a like a sideman and a studio musician and, and I did a lot of like studio work and uh, played with singers and, and songwriters and and um, I gravitated away from that a little bit because um, I want to focus now more on on the music that I write in my own band and and so my mindset at the moment is not really like who I want to play with or the next like gig that I want to get uh, which was for a time that that was my my aim but. Um, like my favorite band to play with is my own now, actually, and and we don't play enough uh, together because the guys live in England. Uh, I have a trio which is called Moving Parts, and the two guys, um, so the other two thirds of the trio live in 
England. So um, whenever I get to play with them and we tour and do an album, it's it's uh, for me this is like the purest of uh, music making and the most inspiring one right now for me. So I would want to do more with my band moving parts. That would be <laughs> the answer. Absolutely. Now <clears throat> you got to promises when you do play again with moving parts when you guys are touring. You got to stop off in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to. We'll try and make it happen. Benny Greb, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, very, very insightful, very interesting indeed. And if that doesn't entice all of our listeners to go and check out, whether you're a drummer or not, uh, all the different DVDs and check out your YouTube clips, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you have it. Benny Greb, one of the greatest drummers in the world, and that is not hype, it is not hyperbole, it is the truth, and the right, Tanya. What an amazing musician and cool human. <laughs> <laughs> a very cool human. I wonder if he is vegan. Maybe, he's very strong behind them drums. <laughs> we're speaking a couple of days ago about... Um, we're, we're branching out with the podcast, and can we just apologise in advance for the planes that are going ahead we're outside we're getting all pretentious we're actually doing this podcast next to a swimming pool who would have thought how very la yes um anyway that being said benny greb absolutely brilliant wonder if he's a vegan this gets me <laughs> on to the next section which we're going to talk about we're branching out we're interviewing athletes when we're out here we're interviewing a whole host of people and one that we can confirm that's coming up is a woman called melanie joy amazing who, dr melanie joy dr melanie my joy. favorite humans on the planet and i'm so glad you're branching out she is a psychologist so Sociologist, amazing all-round human brain, lovely lady who travels the world and talks about carnism and following a plant-based diet and trying to have a all-round more compassionate world. And she's just an incredible spokeswoman. So for something I'm personally very passionate about, animal welfare. So I'm excited that she's coming on your podcast. So since you were very, very young, and I think we might have mentioned this before, one of the times that you were on, you have been you went vegan straight away you vegetarian and go what was the deal i've been vegetarian since as long as i can remember apparently i was four or five when i refused it um yeah i just had this light bulb moment one day when my brother was being a ass brother at the table and slagging me about something i can't remember but he said that meat on the table was the cow in the field that i thought was my pet and then something clicked and i never had meat since I was four or five, never missed it. But I think my parents in small old schooled Ireland had a little bit of a tough time dealing with that. But yeah, I've basically been vegetarian all my life. And then vegan was just a natural transition when I seen how shitty the dairy industry was and how it's almost more cruel. So yeah, my journey has been plant-based. I'm 24 years plus meatless, dairyless. <laughs> The TED Talk from Melanie Joy, when you first seen that, was that your introduction to her? Had you heard of her before that? I'd heard her name just in that kind of like animal welfare world, but I really, Melanie stood out for me a lot because I, for one, am like obviously very strong animal advocate, but I don't agree with a lot of the approaches of some of the advocacy. So with Melanie, I really just admire the way that she's gone about it in such an intelligent way and like, she's gone into like the marketing of the industry and it's just an incredible approach and it's so eye-opening for because people are compassionate at the end of the day and the love of animals unfortunately due to marketing has been like very segregated to our pets so she kind of opens up that side of the debate which is brilliant and you know 
I'm going to like 99% of people are compassionate at heart. So it's just a real eye opener. You should check out her talk. It's called Beyond Carnism. It's a TED talk. But yeah, she is awesome. <laughs> it's super interesting because you and I have spoke about this, that I'm, I'm not a big meat eater, right? And I'm just naturally curious, want to just be really healthy and all mm. that kind of stuff drinking lots of water but a lot of people and it's starting to annoy me now because the more that you've pointed it out the more that it's become apparent to me because i see people come up with this argument all the time just saying oh if you go vegan there's a lack of protein in your diet and having in your yeah. diet and having spoken to you yeah. of course that's a lot of nonsense right yeah it's a, it's a vegan's favorite question <laughs> it is it's a, the protein one is just so misleading anyway in general because for some reason marketing and society has told the majority of people protein only comes from meat, animal protein, which is completely untrue and almost insulting if you're a long time veggie or vegan because we're not walking around dying here. And mm -hmm. I always laugh when I talk to my like bodybuilding friends about this who are completely plant based and some of who you'll have on the podcast, I'm sure at some stage. But yeah, it's like it's about having a clean diet, eating healthy, eating. A, we call it plant based because the majority is plants, but that's not to say we're eating grass and vegetables all day long. You know me, I eat like a trooper i love all different styles of food but yeah it's just misleading the protein thing and you know that's why people like melanie and all that are great for the advocacy of like just good food and different sources of protein grains and veggies and quinoa and nuts and seeds and there's protein everywhere we just are told because of our social system you have to eat meat or you won't get protein which is absolute beep you can swear on it anyhow I won't. I'll be polite. You're, you're going to but take yeah, the high road. I can. I can confirm that I don't have any lack of protein. I'm very strong, and I'm never sick. And uh, yeah, no lives taken in the making. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right there, you go. Then it's education. It's not just a music podcast. It's a life podcast. Life cast. <laughs> Should be the new name. Tanya Callahan dot com a new website because i don't think the last time you were on you had the brand spanking new super yeah cool i just website. got all of my stuff updated so www.tanyaocallahan.com and it's all there pretty much because i'm a bit of a social technophobe so i have to go from one space apologies if i don't answer facebook and instagram and twitter <laughs> Just hit me up on the website. On the website, tanyocallahan.com. Easy to remember, as is scottkerry.com. And yeah. this podcast, of course, is available on SoundCloud, Audio Boom, iTunes. Is that everything? Let, let me go through them. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, of course. How could I forget? But the central place that holds all that stuff together is scottkerry.com. And of course, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. At Skerry Music is my handle. I'm also on Instagram. I don't do that a lot, but I'm trying to build it up. So hit me up instantly at my Instagram account. Thanks to Tanya Callahan. Thanks to Benny Greb. And awesome. look out for the future podcast. We are doing a whole host of stuff in Los Angeles at the moment. It's all very exciting. Keep up to date with it on scottkerry.com and all my social media and we will see you guys next week final word tanya there you have it ladies and gentlemen super insightful as usual take care